who knew Yannick Sinner needed a backhand down the line and a forehand down the line in order for him to conquer the highest peak of his career. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Scoreline. Today's episode is at the backdrop of a Novak Djokovic and Yannick Sinner ATP Finals Classic. Yes, it was a classic. The game ended two sets to one in favor of Yannick Sinner, as we all know, becoming the first ever win in Yannick's Yannick Sinner's career over Novak Djokovic. Before yesterday's game, they had played three times and Novak Djokovic had prevailed in all three occasions. But we were in Turin and man, the home crowd support was amazing. The, the home support was amazing for Yannick Sinner. You had 15,000 people literally cheering for him. And of course, Novak Djokovic was relishing the moment, was relishing the occasion and just being the underdog in the home crowd against the home crowd of course he didn't really get into it too much with the home crowd but he, there was an occasion where he was sort of like uh, conducting an orchestra it was really funny but in typical novak djokovic fashion but let's get back to the tennis the star of the show yannick Sinner. since 2020 i have been on the yannick Sinner bandwagon i haven't really been so confident in him in recent years because of his the trajectory of his career was kind of confusing at times when you couple injuries with home for improvement it just seemed like there was a lot for him to do but we saw that he was able to raise his game especially when playing against carlos Alcaraz, and then there was also this um i don't know how to call it i don't want to call it a monkey on his back but there was a mountain for him to climb he couldn't really beat top players in the game. I mean, other players weren't really a problem for him, but he couldn't beat Tsitsipas for some time, couldn't beat no- uh, Novak Djokovic and Daniel Medvedev. I mean, at one point, he, his record, head-to-head record versus Daniel Medvedev was six losses. And obviously, he couldn't beat Novak Djokovic prior to today. He had played three times and Djokovic had beaten him all three times. At some point, the record against Stefan Tsitsipas was, what, 5-2, 5-1, something like that. But in recent times, I mean, after the US Open, Yannick Sinner has beaten Daniel Medvedev twice. And in both those games, there were finals. I remember the one in Vienna, amazing final. He beat him convincingly. And yesterday, he had managed to beat the world number one for the first time in his career. He beat Novak Djokovic, and it was amazing. The final score was 7-6. No, 7-5, sorry. First set was 7-5. Second set was 7-6 in favor of Djokovic. And then the deciding set was 7-6 in favor of Yannick Sinner, making it two sets to Sinner and one set to Novak Djokovic. Now, if you ask me, what's the major difference in Yannick Sinner's game in in comparison to the previous Yannick Sinner that obviously used to lose against top quality uh, opponent, particularly the top five or top six or top 10 players in particular. I'd say that Yannick Sinner developed a backhand down the line and a forehand down the line. In most of his encounters in previous years, he used to be a guy that was not so sure about his backhand. So he would just play the safe, the, the safest way, which is backhand cross-court. Backhand cross-court because, I mean, there's a lot of field to hit and it's a, it's a safe shot. Now, he worked so hard in developing both his drop shot 
and his uh, backhand down the line. And now we saw an, in, an encounter yesterday where, for the first time ever in a game, Yannick Sinner was able to hit more backhand down the lines than Novak Djokovic. Obviously, when you could, when you talk about uh, short percentage, 37% of Isina's backhands were down the line, while 30% of Djokovic's backhands were down the line. This means that Sina was taking more risks. I mean, he did say after the game that he was proud of himself for being so brave. Because, I mean, if you look at his shot selection yesterday, he was really brave. Even in moments where he was down, let's say, he was... Djokovic was on a tie, uh, what do you call this, a break point. Sina was still attempting uh, backhand down the line and kind of trying to squeeze those pockets of spaces, even like regardless of how small they were, he was just trying to utilize them and make Djokovic and every single point on offer. And that, that paid dividend, that paid dividend because you look at the, you look at the total points in the game, 109-109, meaning Djokovic got the same amount of points as Senna in the game, the entire game. It's rare for, for, for that to happen. I mean, there are games where Djokovic would lose the match, but would still have won more games because in the sets that he wins, he would just be that dominant. But this wasn't, it wasn't the case in, in this particular match. Now, another thing, man, that we have to talk about, and it's part of the reason why, I think it's the main reason why I made this episode. For me, just it just felt like a coming of age of Yannick Senna. I mean, there's, there, there had been plenty moments in his career now where you'd say these are his coming of age. I mean, he won his first Masters 1000, I think it was in Cincinnati or Toronto. I'm not so sure. I mean, the tennis season is so long. And then he beat Medvedev. He's beaten Carlos Alcaraz. He, I mean, in Miami, that was a classic that they had. There was also that um, the one they had in, in, in um, Monte Carlo. No, it was in Monte Carlo, but it was in the USA. I, I can't remember that place. It's in, it's in like a desert and it's a hard court. I can't remember it. But yeah, he has had so many peaks in his career. But yesterday just felt different because for me and the rest of the world, I, I guess, it just felt like Yannick Senna is now cementing himself as a bona fide top three, top four player in the world. And it kind of felt like the game he played was just an all-around spectacular performance. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't want to be throwing around words senselessly, but for a while, we've been asking ourselves just how high is this guy's potential? And for me and, and probably a lot of analysts out there, it kind of felt like his peak or his potential is as high as beating Novak Djokovic every game that they play. Obviously saying he has a chance to beat Novak Djokovic every time they play. It's very rare to say such a thing. Obviously, at this moment, you can say players that are in that packet are Carlos Alcaraz, of course, and Daniel Medvedev. For me, those are the only players that you can say every single time they play Djokovic, they have a chance of beating him. And Janik Sina yesterday, even though it was his first ever win against Djokovic, the way he did it, the twist and turns of the game, and the level that Djokovic brought to the game was extremely high. Really, really high. Let's not take away from the fact that Djokovic played an incredible tennis match. Obviously, he is not Djokovic. There's always a level higher that he can go to it. I mean, he can t- tap into that Novak Djokovic God mode, which he was close to. 
I mean, his serving was amazing. He had 19 aces, while Senna had 15 aces. We need to also say just how good the, 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 the serving was yesterday. It was absolutely amazing. There's a, a tennis analyst um, who said yesterday, just after the match, he said, in the month of October where Senna was just at the peak, peak form, he was serving, his first serves in were at 70%. But today, his, serves, his first serves in was were at 60%, which is his season average. So that tells us that Sina managed to beat Djokovic while, not, while serving at a normal Sina rate. I mean, he wasn't serving at an extraordinary rate, but he was serving at his normal season average. And he still managed to beat Novak Djokovic. That says a lot about Yannick Sina in his game. Absolutely, it says a lot about his game. And yeah, man, there's just so much to say, but I, I'm just so, so amazed at the flexibility that Yannick Sinner is showing in his game, how he's able to now slide, like he's able to slide comfortably across the, 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 the hard court and still make shots and difficult shots. And he's now doing it at a rate that makes those difficult shots seem routine. Amazing. I mean, it, it's it sort of seemed some of the shots he was making, particularly the in the third set tiebreak, there was a Novak Djokovic serve that um, Sina kind of slid towards the shot and then returned that 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 that, that uh, serve with a with a, a stunning backhand, a stunning backhand, and that managed to catch Djokovic off guard. I think it was the what, it was the point, the third point of the of the tiebreak, which got Sina three three points to to love. I mean that was amazing, and even throughout the the the, the latter part of the season, he's been sliding comfortably across the the the, the hard courts and. That's a part of his game that we haven't seen or we was not there when he was beginning. I mean, we we used to call him stiff. I mean, do I think, do I still think he's stiff? I don't think he's stiff. I think he's managing to, like, I think he saw by playing Alcaraz, Daniel Medvedev and Novak Djokovic that you need to be flexible on the tennis, tennis pitch. You need to work on your body. You need to work on the mechanics of returning. You cannot just have the balls that are within your vicinity. You need to go for those uh, rally extending uh, shots and, and make them at a comfortable rate. You need to go like be flexible, extend your body and still make the shot as difficult to return for the for the opposition player as possible yeah man and another thing that is a, a cause for concern obviously by now we know Yannick Sinner has, has successfully added a drop shot into his uh, arsenal but when watching the game because I was watching it live it still seems to me that I can read his drop shots like I can read when he's going to do execute a drop shot I don't know if that's a cause for concern but I think for him to be a, a regular drop shorter or just make the drop shot on a regular and actually make it an effective part of his arsenal, he needs to kind of hide it or disguise it well. But as we all know, he's only 22. He's going to improve. He's going to be better. But some of the players that are he's in his age group, like you look at Holger Rune, you look at Carlos Alcaraz, at their age right now, they're able to disguise the drop shot so well. So obviously, that's probably the reason why I'm so harsh on Senna and his 
the disguise of the drop shot but it's still amazing to know he has a drop shot in his arsenal it's rare for, for like for me i haven't seen him miss a drop shot in a while like i i it's rare for me to see him miss a drop shot but he still needs to work on his volleys and his net game uh, yesterday he didn't make too many mistakes on the net he usually makes a lot of mistakes at the net especially with the volleys just you know those volleys where you have to end the point i mean the point is basically yours you just have to hit the overhead uh volley he sometimes misses those but yeah i mean it's part of the maturity of a player just the the evolution of a player but what a feel-good story i i know i just wanted to talk about just how nice it is for someone to realize their dreams and for them to do it in front of us and 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 for it to be a journey i mean you look at Cena from 2018 19 20 21 22 23 he's just been growing i mean he made his first uh, wimbledon semi-final this year he was in the semi or quarter or semi-final that classic match he, that classic five setter with uh caris alcaris last year in 2022 and i mean he's just growing and he's growing in front of us i mean there were holes in his games that i mean just his overall mixing it up it wasn't there before he didn't have the physicality that was required he built i built himself up he's now stronger than he used to be um he now has a drop shot he now has the backhand down the line his forehand down the line he didn't really need to work on his power but he's amazing man even his second serves they are now uh really powerful and hard to read at times and I mean, it's just a testament of hard work and dedication and commitment and coaching. I mean, he's really been putting in the work and it's showing in his result. And even his personality, I'd say, as a tennis player on the court, it's now growing. He's able to be more expressive, but also he has this personality that's really introverted. But he's now showing that um, he's extremely competitive. I think one thing that I've always... Uh, criticized Hubie Hukach about is it's rare, it was rare for me to ever, like I was questioning Hubie Hukach's competitive nature or spirit because I just couldn't say it I think I had accepted that he's not really a loud individual but I still wanted to see him being competitive and showing that he is competitive and I do believe even introverted athletes are able to show their competitive nature example Kawhi Leonard you know Kawhi Leonard is as competitive as they come even though he doesn't say anything I mean I'm just mixing up basketball but you you get what I'm trying to say and with Yannick Sinner I'm seeing it like I know he's competitive I can see in how he plays I can see in his expressions during the game he doesn't have to shout or make noise but I can see this guy really wants it and as a supporter or someone that wants to support him that's really uh encouraging to see you know but all in all man i'm just so happy for yannick Sinner. i i I just don't know how the group stages will go now that yannick uh stefano stitipas is out with an injury hubiukaj is coming in for him hukaj has to play i think novak djokovic and then for the deciding um the deciding match potentially Hogaruna has to play Yannick Senna I, I don't know how that will go to be fair I don't know how that will go but I'm, I'm counting on Senna winning because I mean Hogaruna as amazing as he is he's not really in the best of form right now but uh, any day Hogaruna can beat anyone on planet earth 
anyone Novak Djokovic included and Carlos Alcaraz included literally he can beat anyone on his day so yeah really looking forward to seeing how Holger Rune fares against Yannick Senna um, I think Novak Djokovic should win easily against Ubiukic that should make him the leader of the group because I mean yeah provided that the winner of Senna and Rune does not win in straight sets so yeah because I'm predicting Djokovic to win in straight sets but yeah so much tennis to be played I am so excited I am also excited by the other group seeing Alexander Zverev beat Carlos Alcaraz it kind of opens up the group um I really want to see how what happens when Zverev meets Medvedev I think Medvedev would win comfortably I think he has, he has already beaten Roblev comfortably and then Medvedev struggles to beat Alcaraz that would be amazing I just want to see what would happen if Alcaraz beats Medvedev Medvedev beats Zverev and then Rublev beats Zverev and then Rublev beats Zverev so Rublev has to beat Zverev Medvedev has to beat uh, Zverev and then Alcaraz has to beat Medvedev I just want to see when all of that goes up and down who comes out as the winner in all of that but yeah without further ado thank you so much okay well I don't know why I said without further ado but yeah it seems like I'm introducing someone but yeah I haven't done this in a long long time I know this episode was all over the place but I was just so excited to put it out there and say Yannick Sinai is coming for world number one he's coming for a grand slam in 2024 so excited to see that cheers